preservation of our soul shine I can feel it yours and mine close your eyes and witness it inside in your bones you will know trust and let go All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 23, Frequencies, Serving, and a host of other deep topics with David Meltzer. My guest today is David Meltzer, the host of the number one entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook, a top 100 business coach, author of the number one new release, Game Time Decision Making, and was named Sports Humanitarian of the Year by Variety. But he prefers to be known as the CEO who goes around helping people. Dave, it is such an honor to have you on the show today. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you, Dave. Well, you know, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I know you have this new book out about compassionate capitalism, and that is such a big thing for me. And I want to ask you how you got turned onto it and what's your thoughts about it? You know, it's really interesting. It's my overall vision and view of the world that people don't challenge themselves. So one of the things that I always tell people and the lesson that I learned when I was young was to be more interested than interesting. And I think so many people don't understand the energy of money. In fact, they don't understand that money is energy uh, and it's the true currency of our pragmatic world. The problem is, is they think that there's a counterintuitive or conflict between money and abundance, that they believe there's only so much money in the world and that there's just enough for them or there's not enough for them. Once you shift your perspective to a universe of more than enough, that there's more than enough of everything for everyone, you then can look at your business, capitalism, which isn't a scarce energy at all, but says that I'm going to make as much money as I can to help as many people as I can and to have fun doing it. And so for me, I enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential of making money, helping people and having fun. And that's what compassionate capitalism is about. Mm, I love that because I'm involved with a, a conscious capitalism group in Portland. And that's more about, well, they focus on the infrastructure of the entire company. So like, how do you give back to your employees? How do you give back to your supply chain? How are you giving back to society? And is, is that integrated approach? So I think it's a more, more formal structure, but I, it's just so deeply ingrained in what I am and how I show up because I don't buy from companies that aren't thinking about more than their own profit right now. Absolutely. Well, you know, this world will be saved whether you believe in climate change or not. This world will be saved by the entrepreneurs. It always is. And yeah. when we look and see things differently, the things we look at will change immensely. And so, you know, it'll take great technologies to change our environmental, great technologies to change the maintenance of that environment. But we have the capability of clothing our imagination, of utilizing capitalism in order to effectuate great causes like feeding the world, protecting the world you know, clothing the world, all the different necessities that we need all are done through the energy of money. 
which is why money doesn't buy happiness. It just allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, like for community centers, like for solutions for our environment, like for you know faith and for inspiration, you're going to be super happy. And if you have scarce or uh, an attitude or a perspective of not enough, that's what we're going to have to put faith into what we don't have. And so I always tell people, put faith in what you want, and you'll get more of what you want. You know, that's such a beautiful perspective, because I know that as I have, I took a vow of peace about four years ago, and I divested myself of violence. And from that, I've had so many shifts in my life, and it, it shows up with what I purchase, how I think about companies, how I think about how I show up in the world, how I use my car versus taking public transportation. Because I know that what I do has a greater impact than just on me. So I was just going to say, how do you help people shift? Like, what, how do you get that spark going where they get it? Yeah, so you have to find the right frequency, right? There's three aspects of a frequency to communicate. How do we clear the interference or the corrosion between, number one, that which inspires us, but more importantly, too, after we have our downloads of inspiration, light, and intellectual ability, we need to clear the connection to other people. But in order to communicate, there's three things that we have to look at. One is the power of our signal. How far will it reach? Two, it's the spectrum of our signal, meaning how many different channels will we people be able to tune into us? What ages, what ethnicities, what cultures, uh, what education level? And then finally, what's the clarity of my communication, right? How many people will understand what I'm saying? And so when we look at that in the context of frequency, we can then literally look at how can I align with their frequency to motivate and inspire them with the motivation and inspiration that I have. I love that, Dave. That's so beautiful. And it's so, it's so amazing to hear that someone in your realms has that capacity to understand the importance of frequency and, and relatability that I think a lot of people are shifting towards, but it's a slow process. Yeah, I think as slow as is uh, arbitrary and capricious, when you think about the infinity of time, I think mm. when we talk about things happening slowly, it puts a false uh, moniker on it. For me, okay. I think that people quit too often because they have unrealistic expectations of, of what they are doing. I talked earlier today about the points that people quit and there's like a 10 year mark or a 25% mark that people, if they have an objective and they get to 25%, when they get there, it's always taken too long and 99% of them have quit. When people oh, wow. also hit the 10 year mark, regardless of what percentage they are, 99% of them quit. But if all they're focused in on is acceleration and growth, either at the 25% or the 10 year mark, if you know, it took half as much time to get to 50% and half as much time to get, you know, to the five, five years, you'll get twice as far, then two and a half years, then one and three quarters years, and seven eighths, and seven sixteenths, and seven thirty seconds, and seven sixty fourth, then seven one twenty eighths of a year. Pretty soon you see that hockey stick effect of the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential. People don't do that because once again, we talk in terms of, you know, it takes so long or it's too slow. For me, I just look at the factor capability of exponential growth or acceleration. Mm. I have this mindset of a daily practice 
because I think it's easier for me to just be in that space than to when somebody says, what's your life goal? Well, I don't, I, my life goal is to be fully spirit led and filled with joy and peace and love. Right. Because that's ultimately what, what I do with my gifts is coming through if I'm in that space of peace, love, and joy. So I can't, I can't really come up with another goal. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting you say that because I think you're on to the exact truth of the universe, which is the two mindsets that we have is one, you want to start your day with one action that is in truth, joy, love, peace, and in that higher vibration, that neutrality of the flow. And we need to find that with the first action that we take. Therefore, everything that happens after that is a reaction in the 24 hours that we're given each day, the pragmatic time frame in which we're given. So if your mindset is not to try to resist or to persist or to create interference or rejection or shortages, voids and obstacles of something that is attracted to that perfection, but instead when our ego-based consciousness recognizes some sort of reaction, that our only initial force should be towards and back to that neutrality of truth, joy, happiness, etc. So it's a dualistic mindset of finding your center and going back to center or being at neutral and going back to neutral or being at love and going back to love. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's something that we haven't been taught to do as, as little ones. Well, we, we have this innate joy within us, but then we're taught, we're conditioned, we're brought out of that space where joy is our, you know, we, we are present when we're kids. Right. And, Getting back to that is is this fascinating process of unwinding and unconditioning. It, exactly. I think, you know, that unconditioning of judgments and conditions is something that's very hard to understand, that people see themselves as, you know, unfortunately viewing and, and processing things, but they don't understand that they're truly projecting it, that everything comes from within ourselves. So when we put judgments or conditions on other people, all that does is define us as somebody that judges and puts conditions on others. We have no effect or impact or uh, even uh, any type of uh, change that can occur by our judgments and conditions. So we have to truly know from early days of Sanskrit that everything exists inside of us and all that outside of us is just a mirror of us. So, you know, what we don't like in others is what we don't like in ourselves. We're fears us or angers us the most is what we fear and anger about ourselves the most. In fact, I always look at people that bother me, you know, when I'm not at my perfect self and I ask myself, what is it that I don't like about myself that's bugging me so much about them? Because it's a mirror of me. Oh, it's, it's a fascinating process. I, I know when I hear, if I, if I actually catch myself judging someone, or even if I don't catch myself, if I just feel that judgment coming on, I feel pain within me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And so Remember the definition of pain. Pain is a result of us receiving the exact same lessons and not learning them. So the right. indication of pain is that we haven't learned the lesson yet. So you can take a positive approach to pain that, hey, I'm on my journey to learn this lesson and the lessons are going to keep on coming in the form of pain until I learn the lesson. Yeah, it's true. And, and so like at this point, I, I can't even hear other people judge because it's because where I am in my practice is that I feel so much more deeply than I did because I've removed so many layers of the judgment of the, 
of the separateness that is an illusion yeah. that when I feel, you know, I, I can observe and I can be curious and that's fine. Like, huh, that's a really interesting hairstyle. I never thought of that. But I don't say, oh, my God, I'd never do that because that's a that's a completely different energy that I'm bringing to it with a shift in the in the awareness. It's like, OK, I can be curious and say, huh, that's really cool. Or, huh, I don't know about that. And just the way I'm inflecting reflects the energy I'm putting into it. Absolutely. And I think when you take that perspective that you are focused in on the pursuit of your own potential, right, that we're here living a journey to live to our potential, not anyone else's. And I think Mm -hmm. by looking at that, we actually connect or join. My problem in understanding most people is that most things separate us. They create a need to be inferior, superior, separate. And if we do that, we are creating an interference or corrosion to half of the equation. The first half Mm -hmm. of the equation is we're connected to the biggest and most powerful source of energy and light in existence and that we have to try to uh, create a being in which can really take in without too much interference or filtering or corrosion to that powerful source. But more importantly, you just can't take in all the light if you don't have a place to let it go through you and to others. So the most important thing and why fear and anxiety and separateness exists is that we actually are afraid of and limit ourselves from the amount of power that we actually inherently know we have because we don't know what to do with it. Meaning we use our ego to protect ourselves that if we truly were connected to everything, that flow would happen abundantly, but we create scarcity in all types of different aspects of our lives because we're too afraid of the power that we have. And then we go ahead and create corrosions, interferences, separation from uh, everyone else. So my biggest analogy to this would be, you know, a tree has no branches. One branch would not go to war against another branch in a tree. And that's exactly what we do. We see ourselves as separate trees. Even worse, we see ourselves as separate branches. Even worse, we see ourselves as separate leaves on those branches, and we would gladly go to war against ourselves. Right? We are going to war against each other, against our environment, against the universe, when we have negative thoughts, conditions, and judgments that project all of the separateness that you're talking about. That is going to war against ourselves. Mm-hmm. It is. And I, I live, I am a recovering academic, so I've been very head-spaced, and that's what trips me up. Because when I'm heart-centered and I'm feeling that love that I am, everything just shifts so quickly. And it's just a matter of pulling, put my, putting my hands on my heart and breathing in and breathing out and just getting present in my body and that shifts everything. And then I realize, oh, wait, I am connected with everything. You're right. Yeah. And that realization also can create insecurity, separate and separateness and interference, because that is a, a unique perspective. And you start questioning all types of things. I know even for myself, questioning my own existence of not where did I come from, but why am I here? Knowing that, you know, if I truly believe in multiple lifetimes, you know, it's, and the connect, connectness of everything, even my biggest connection, the most people most relative to me, my wife and my children, it, it, it's a very difficult thing to understand that if, if I am here as a, a spirit having a human experience, a bot embodiment experience, not body having a spiritual experience, I'm a spiritual embodiment having a human experience, 
well, the significance of my relationships with my own children changed dramatically. And it creates mm-hmm. a lot of fear to think that, you know, my relationship and love that I feel for my children is truly about me, <laughs> right? They, <laughs> it's about my own insecurities when I feel that tremendous love and responsibility, et cetera, mm. that I have to have faith and understand that that love that I have is experiential to my children is the love that I should have just for myself and everything and everyone, not just for my children. And, you know, where you have fear or separateness that, oh my gosh, you know, something could happen and cancel to my children. Those thoughts, you don't put faith into that. And you have to think deeply with, in the context of what you're teaching and talking about, the significance of your children should be that we are, the, the relationship of my children is to understand my relationship with I am or what other people define as God. But Mm -hmm. why is it that I can be a parent? I can be a parent to my child and know that I'm unconditional, that I would lie in front of a bus, that I would give every single thing I had at any time for my own children. But I don't have faith that God or the universe would feel the same thing about its children. Mm. What, you know, what if we could, transcend that idea that look at your kids, how you feel about your children and know that there is a father, there is a supreme energy or light that feels the exact same way about you that would do anything, anything in the world for you. But yeah, we don't put faith in that. We create interference, judgment, separation. We, we limit ourselves. And the father of the universe has so much more because it has everything that they can give where we're limited by only what we have in our limited experience and embodiment, right? So imagine yeah. infinity is your parent and infinity feels the way that you feel about your child, about you. Imagine the power that we have. Yeah. And it's, it's so simultaneously liberating and terrifying. Right. Thank you. Yeah. You know, because, because I know like when I'm fully connected, I feel that love flowing through me. It's, it's, it's me and it's more than me. And it's just this amazing experience. I have energy flowing through my hands and I'm just like, wow, this is so incredible. And when I'm just there, it's just so profound and amazing. And then I freak myself out. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. I read the Course, <laughs> I read the course in Miracles and, uh, you know, all types of Sanskrit and religious text and I and I get deeper and deeper and I say to myself, wow, this is so enlightening, so powerful. I feel so good. Oh my God, I'm meaningless. <laughs> uh, I know. I know, but you're not. That's the thing is like, because you're, you are bringing yeah. that, that love to all in every action you do. And as you get closer and more frequently visiting that state, that's what you're supposed to be. Correct. Right. Exactly. And uh, well, I, I have time for one more quick question. And uh, I, before I get too excited, I know. this is amazing. I know. I wish you had more time, but that's okay. <laughs> um, any big takeaway that you can impart to listeners on how they can start to really feel that love? Yeah, I think simply in a pragmatic sense, just asking two questions is the best pragmatic action that you could take. So to start feeling that love, joy, happiness, connectedness, or truth, to get into the flow, 
to expand and accelerate, exponentially grow, to start the process, literally learn these two questions. Number one, look at everyone and everything and ask, how can I provide value? How can I appreciate, add value to everything I see and everyone I come upon? How can I be of service? And then secondly, you have to be in the flow by asking for help. So you need to learn one simple question that you should be asking in person on the phone via email or media, radio, print TV, or social media. Do you know anyone or anything that can help me? If you are completely vulnerable, you will be invulnerable. Uh, And so if you can learn these two questions, you will change your life. You will change the world. And we will together have more joy, more happiness, and more peace and live closer to our potential. I appreciate your time. Mm, Dave, thank you so much. I hope you have a beautiful evening. Thank you for the opportunity. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The action item of the week is to take Dave's two questions to heart. How can you serve? How can you ask for help and be vulnerable? Open yourself up to the ways these questions will expand you more. That's it. Until next week, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Truth and preservation of our soul shine I can feel it yours and mine Close your eyes and witness it inside In your bones you will know Trust and let go